of all, I, I want to give honor to the Lord. Without him, he's one who saved, sanctified, and set me apart. Amen. Uh, secondly, I want to give honor to my pastor. Uh, I talked to him earlier. Uh, I just thank him for this opportunity to stand in his pulpit and to minister. I love him and Pastor Devin. Me and my wife, we are so thankful for them. Y'all give it up for your pastors. Uh, amen. Amen and amen. Um, you know, you know, lately for me, um, God has really been showing me that I need to slow down. Uh, you know, I've, I've been in a, a study in the Word of God, and He's really showing me that I need to slow down. Uh, I get excited at times, and, and I get to yelling and spitting and all that going on. And, uh, you know, tonight, this is Bible study. Amen. Uh, this is Bible study. So I hope you have your Bibles. I hope you have your phone. Uh, we're going to look at a couple of contexts of scriptures. Amen. Uh, we're going to have a good time in the Lord. Amen. Amen. Pastor Gary, I appreciate you. How many of y'all were here last week when Pastor Gary was ministered the word on the Holy Ghost? Wasn't that a word? He talked about the Holy Ghost. Uh, I have never been around a man that knows so much word. Amen. I believe he quoted a scripture out of every book in the Bible, except maybe Obadiah. But <laughs> Obadiah is in the Bible. But, you know, he, he preached last week on the Holy Ghost, and he gave us precept upon precept, line upon line. Amen. Amen. That man is full of the word, and I, I, I admire that. I really do. I bet his prayer closet is dripping with oil. Amen. I just believe that, and I just, I, I just sat there last week, and, and even as I was sitting there, uh, the Lord began to speak to me even about my opportunity to minister, and I kind of had an idea of what I wanted to minister on, but as I, as I sat last week in, in this sanctuary and listened to him preach, God just revealed the word to me that I, I want to share tonight uh, with you, uh, and it's entitled, The Word Supreme. The Word Supreme, Amen. If you have your Bibles while you're standing, go to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus, we love you. We honor you. You are good, God. Hallelujah. You know, it was, it was just recently said that Jesus is uh, no longer allowed in jury shops. It's because he breaks every chain. Okay. I just want to see who I was preaching to tonight. Some of y'all caught that. Some of y'all will get on on the way home. Amen. But aren't you glad he breaks every chain? Amen. He's a good God. Are you at 2 Timothy 3.16? The Bible says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Father, bless the hearers of your word tonight. Father, let me speak as your oracle, Father. Let my mouth be as a pen of a ready writer, Father. I thank you right now, Holy Spirit, that you take this hour, you take these next few moments, and you minister to your people. I decrease. Holy Spirit, I put you on the forefront so that you will come into this place. You're already here. So I ask you, Father God, that you would just release the Spirit of God to minister to your people in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. 
So before I get into the word a little bit, let me lay just a, a foundation for you uh, regarding the word of God. You know, we know and I have to understand that the word of God was written over a 1500 period. 1500 years, excuse me, 1500 year period, the word of God was written. It spanned across three different continents. How, at three different continents, there were three different languages even, the word of God was written in. The Bible was authored by 40 different men, different backgrounds, different educations, different lifestyles. Yet in all of that, the Bible is still unified and it's still the word of the Lord. You know, if you really think about it, generation to generation, the word of God has existed. There has been threats. The Bible is even banned in many countries. Can't even read it. You have to hide it. It's been destroyed. But through all of that, from generation to generation, the word of God still stands. They cannot get rid of the word of God no matter how hard they try. Amen. It has been in existence since the beginning of time. It has always been under attack, especially by Satan himself. He has made a, a goal to deceive the sons and daughters of God, to trick them into thinking the word of God is something that is not for them. Since the beginning, you know, Adam and Eve, did God say? Pastor Gary talked about that last week. He always wants people to question the word of God. You know, have you asked yourself why? Why, why does he want to discredit the word? Well, I really wrote down that really there's one simple reason why. So that man might look elsewhere. Whoa. The enemy understands he's defeated. So his main goal is to distract you and cause you to look somewhere else besides the word of God. You and I both know we live in a society today where everything is trying to grab our attention. We have more resources, outsources, social media, all these things that are steady grabbing at our attention. You know, your attention, your time is your greatest currency right now. It's not money. It's time. You know, how many of y'all remember a day when you had a cell phone? They charge you for minutes. Now the minutes are what? Free and they want to charge you for data. Because they understand there's always something streaming, always something downloading, always something uploading that's coming your way. So they want to give you the minute. And then let's be honest, we don't hardly use our phones what they're created for. How many of y'all talking on the phone more than you text? Come on, be honest. Me neither. I don't see no hand. Maybe one. We text more than we talk. We scroll. We look on the internet. We use our calendars more than we do talking on the thing that we're supposed to talk. Amen. So the enemy understands and he knows that he, he, he cannot defeat the church, so he tries to distract it. And he tries to get you to go away from the word of God. That's his goal. To get you to look to another source. Another outlet. Another way. It don't have to be God's way. There's another way. That's what, you know, the enemy oftentimes will even quote scripture just to try to move you. You know, I won't go there, but, you know, Pastor Gary talked about, actually it was Pastor Chris was talking about the wilderness this past Sunday. And how Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. And you remember the third temptation, Satan himself said, hey Jesus, go ahead and throw yourself off this cliff. Because it is written that he'll give his angels charge over thee. He, he too knows the word, but yet he will still even try to use it to defeat you. 
He wants to deceive the body of Christ. Amen. You know, one of the major ways or major attack on the word of God that the enemy uses is translations. Do you know there are over 200 translations of the Bible? Two, did you know that they say in the English language, every six months, a new translation comes out? The enemy tries to uh, discredit and water down the word by giving you another version. He want, he, it, what his attempt is, is take the power out of the pages. You know, I, I, was, I was looking at that, and I, I saw one translation as I was doing this study, and it was talking about uh, Mary, uh, and they, the term that they used was, and the girl had a baby. You know, a lot of girls in the Bible days were having babies. But they wanted to take out the immaculate conception that it came through a virgin girl. See, they want to discredit the birth of Jesus. So the translation says, and yes, there was Mary, and that girl had a baby. Let me tell you something. She had more than just a baby. Amen? It was more than just a baby. So the enemy wants to use and water down the word so that he may find a foothold in you and my life. To not take the word of God for what it is. Let me say this. The word of God is the most powerful thing that you and I possess. It's full of power. Amen. So we got to understand that Satan has never liked the word. He, let me tell you something. The word of God is his biggest. If you really think about it, the devil understands that the word of God is why he's in the situation he's in. Yeah, he wanted to be like God. Then God said, bye bye. He hates the word. Amen. You know, the Bible says, and I told you, he always tries to uh, raise up people, uh, raise up institutes and raise up things to discredit the word. You know, uh, if, if you jot this down in Jeremiah chapter 36, starting at verse one, Jeremiah received instruction from the Lord to take a scroll and jot down the words that the Lord was going to speak. So Jeremiah began to jot down the word of the Lord onto this scroll. And the Lord began to tell Jeremiah, write this down. If the people of Judah don't straighten up, if they don't turn from their sin, Jerusalem will be destroyed. So Jeremiah began to write that down. Yeah, I got to get right with God or everything's going to be gone. This is the word of the Lord. Receive it. And then Jeremiah takes it and he calls in his secretary, uh, Baruch. And he says, Baruch, take this word from the Lord and I want you to go into the, the temple yard and begin to proclaim it out loud. So Baruch takes the scroll, he takes the word of the Lord, he began, to, he began to proclaim what the word of the Lord was. He's in the public proclaiming what the word of the Lord is. And so some of the princes of the king heard, so they called Baruch over and says, tell us this word of the Lord that you're speaking. So Baruch begins to tell it again a second time. This is the word of the Lord. You people, you inhabitants of Judah, repent, turn from wicked ways or Jerusalem will be destroyed. So then the, found out, the, the king found out that this word was being spoken. So the king says, bring me the word. So they bring the word to King Jehoiakim, I believe is his name. They bring the word to the king, and he began to listen to the word of the Lord, and the Bible says he didn't like it. So he burned the scroll, cut it into pieces and burned it. Tried to discredit, tried to remove the word from being heard. But how many of y'all know you can't get rid of the word, amen? So no matter how hard the enemy tries, he cannot get rid of the word. No matter how many translations they come out with, he cannot get rid of the word, amen? You know, uh, over the past few decades, uh, there has been a shift when it comes to the word of God. 
you know, while, while knowledge um, has increased, while, let me put it to you like this, I wrote it down, like general knowledge has increased about the word, true biblical solid knowledge has decreased. I can remember a time people used to be able to quote scriptures. Now, not like Pastor Gary, he, he's an exception. Great exception, praise God. But I can remember people used to be able to quote the Bible, quote scriptures. We live in a time now where general knowledge has increased, but they have no sound biblical knowledge. You know, I seen one time there was this man that, that they did a biblical questionnaire, uh, and they said, sir, are you a Christian? He said, yes, I am. He says, well, let me ask you this question. How many books of the Bible are there? He says, uh, Forty-five. The person said wrong. He said there are sixty-six books of the Bible. He's oh okay. He's okay. Next question. It's okay. Next question. He says who was the first man God created? He said oh yeah that was Jesus. He said Jesus. Yeah 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 Jesus. You know no no he, he was in the garden and you know remember he gave that apple to that woman and, and you know that was Jesus that was the first man. And he's looking at this man like he was crazy. Number one it wasn't an apple. Let me tell you here's a little bite. It wasn't an apple. We've heard that preached. All it says is fruit. Could have been a fig. Could have been a grape. It could have been apple. But we say apple because that's what we've been told. And this man is thinking he's all confident in his answer. He has no clue. He's been reading the book of second opinions or something. Because he had no idea. No Bible knowledge. General information maybe. But no Bible. We live in a time where we have to move beyond general information and get some biblical sound doctrine in our life we need it now more than ever it is super necessary for you and i to get this we need the word look to your neighbor and say neighbor you need the word in our postpartum world truth is thought to be relative what that simply means is what's true for you may not be true for me you ever heard people say this i must live out my truth you ever heard people say that let me tell you something uh, last time I read in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 25, there is a way that seems right to a man, but that way can lead unto death. Let me tell you something. Doing you can get you killed. You think you're right. You think that's your truth, but that truth will take you out. Quote, unquote, that truth. We don't, we, we don't need to be relative. We don't need to say, well, Pastor Gary, uh, Pastor Rick, that was a good word. Praise God. But, but this is my truth. That will get you in trouble. If it's line upon line, precept upon precept, you take it, you chew on it, you study, and you walk it out. Get out of your truth. Your truth can get you in trouble. Your truth a lot of time is based on experience. Your truth a lot of time is based on relationships. Your truth a lot of times is based on observation. Uh, I tell this story. I told this um, and thank you for that plug on the Bible study, Pastor Gary. I appreciate that. Uh, uh, I tell the men in the Bible study, there was one time when I worked in Nashville. Uh, I was a delivery guy. Um, and I was driving down Broadway, Broad Street, uh, and, and the van broke down. Uh, and it broke down in front of the Purple Onion. The Purple Onion was a strip club called the Purple Onion. Uh, uh, Shamefully enough, one of the guys brought me a purple onion the next week, but we'll, we'll talk. I will deal with that later. And so my van broke down. Guess what many people thought? I can't believe Torrance. He's down at the strip club. See, observation will cause you to think things that don't even exist. 
See, if we don't take the word for what it says, we begin to observe other things that will give us a definition of what we want it to be. So just because your eyes saw my car at a place that you didn't think I should be, you automatically assume that I'm in there. Not knowing that AAA was on the way. So our understanding of the word of God needs to be based on the word of God. Not based on what somebody told you. Not based on what you observed and not based on your experience. We've all experienced some things, terrible things. We've all had hurt. And sometimes in our observation and in our hurt, we think God is the same way. I've talked to many people that have had an abusive relationship from their father that they tend to believe that God is the same way. My dad yelled at me, so now they think God yells. My dad abused, so they think God is abusive. My Bible says God is good, and he's good how much? All of the time. Amen? So we got to get out of that place where we have our own truth. I, I quoted 2 Timothy 3, the word of God is for reproof. We're going to talk about hopefully in a minute. God is a God of correction. Amen? God is also a God of love. Knowledge has been replaced by feelings. Well, that was a good word, but I, I, feel, I feel like that, that, that won't help me. Uh, that, that was a good scripture. I, I received that, but. Do you know every time you use the word but, you negate everything that you said before it? Man, that word was good, but. Uh, I'm broke. That word was good, but I don't know if that's going to work for me. You just canceled out every word before it. Say, that word was good, I receive it. In the name of Jesus, amen? So get out of feelings, let's get into knowledge, amen? Are you hungry? I said, are you hungry? Amen. Where, where's my delivery? Oh, hold on. Y'all stay right there. Here we go. I'm going to show y'all something. Hopefully, praise and worship team didn't, didn't eat it. I seen them standing back there. I was like, I hope they're not. Get my pizza. Y'all know what this is, right? Yes, it's, it's, it's pizza. Amen. Uh, Pizza is like the word of God. Don't leave. That boy crazy. Don't leave. Pizza is like the word of God. Amen. Can y'all see what that is? What kind of pizza is that? Cheese. Cheese. For those up close, you can see a cheese. Uh, there's a couple of slices missing. I couldn't get pizza in my car without my nine and eight-year-old wanting a piece. So they be eating on a piece. But you got a cheese pizza. Uh, what's on cheese pizza? It's just cheese. It's just covered. It's just smothered with cheese. Not a lot of substance, just not a lot of things else to, to really, that really is on it, but cheese. Uh, so C stands for cheese, but I want to tell you, some people treat the word of God like a cheese pizza. They just want to be covered. They just want the gospel to give them fire hazard insurance. I mean, I just, I just don't want to go to hell. I just, I just, I just want, I just want to be, I'm just glad I'm saved. Now, I ain't mad at you. I'm glad I'm saved too. But don't you know God has a lot more for you than just to be covered or have a, a insurance in your mind based on the word of God. I'm going to show you the Bible. Go into your, go into Matthew chapter nine. If they can put that up, Matthew chapter nine, I'm going to show you somebody that just wanted to be covered. They just, uh, uh, they just want to be, uh, look, I'm just interested in going to heaven. That's really it. And again, I ain't mad at you, but I'm going to tell you something. God wants you to have more than just coverage. 
He wants you more than just to be covered by the word. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to show you. Go, are you in Matthew chapter 19? Starting at verse 16. It says, Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which one? Jesus says you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbors as yourself. This young man said to him, hey, I've done all these things. I've kept them from my youth. What do I still lack? Now remember the question, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus began to give him a laundry list of things that you need to do to have eternal life. And the young man said, hey, I'm good. I've done all these things. Look at the next verse. Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, if you want to have eternal life, go sell what you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when the young man heard these sayings, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. See, he came to Jesus for coverage. Hey, Jesus, what must I do to have eternal life? I just want to be saved. What I got to do? And Jesus began to tell him. He says, I did. I'm, I'm ready. He says, but one thing you lack. Go sell everything you have and come follow me. And the Bible says that he walked away sad. Do you realize when he, the reason he walked away is not because he had money. Money had him. He was able to do all these things in regards to eternal life. But the one thing that he didn't have actually had him. Do you realize he walked away from a personal invitation to be a disciple? Jesus himself said, go get rid of it and come on. And the Bible says he walked away. He couldn't, get, he couldn't see himself without these riches. Amen. He came and he left the same way came into the presence of God, wanted coverage, and walked away. Jesus wants you and I to have more than just to be covered from, from going to hell, if you will. The Bible says, Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it more. That's on this side of heaven. Now, hey, I can't wait to go to heaven, but guess what? I want some victories now. I want to see some things in my life now. And Jesus says, I'll give it to you in more abundance. Third John says, look, but I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as I. Look, that's right here. I won't need to be healed when I go to heaven. I want to see healing in this body right here. That's the kind of God. That's what the word has to say for you and I. He says, healing is my children's bread. Exceedingly abundantly, far above, you and I can't even ask or think. That's the word. He just don't want you to be like the cheese pizza. You just, and by the way, cheese pizza nasty. I, yeah, I, I know some of y'all may like it, but it, it just, it, it's nasty to me. I don't, want, I don't want just cheese pizza. You almost have to force me. But let me tell you something. Your understanding and the word of God has more for you than just covering. God wants to do more for you just bring you to heaven. 
He wants more than that for you and I. Don't be like that cheese pizza, amen? Don't be like the rich young ruler coming to God wanting eternal life and walk away sorrowful because you couldn't get rid of the thing that really had you, amen? God wants you to be in health, amen? Now, you look to your neighbor and say, neighbor, don't be cheesy. They got a pepperoni slice too. Yeah, okay, yeah. The pepperoni's my thing. P for pepperoni, but in this case, P stands for preference. Some of y'all want the word of God based on your preference. So we got past cheese, just put a little, put a little pepperoni on it. That's really all I want, just a little pepperoni. Some of y'all see the gospel, see the word of God like pepperoni pizza. You got a preference. Torrance, you got Bible? I'm glad you asked. Turn to Luke chapter 4, and we're going to start at verse 18. Praise God. I'm going to show you how your gospel, the Bible, what God has for you, has to go beyond your preference. What you want out of the word of God. I use a term uh, a lot. It's called circumstance theology, which means your theology is based on your circumstances. That's preference. Let me tell you something. Everybody has their own theology. You and I can read the same scripture and we'll get something totally different out of it. Based on your thinking, based on your theology. Our circumstance theology comes into play is based on what we've been through, based on where we are, based on where we're going, based on our circumstances. This is how I see the word. Wrong. Get out of circumstance theology. You had one bad relationship that does not mean the next relationship is going to be bad. You have one experience in this area, it does not mean the next experience in that area will turn out the same way. Get out of your circumstances when it comes to reading the Word of God. Matter of fact, I want to tell you the Word of God will change your circumstance versus your circumstance changing the Word. Get out of your circumstance, amen? So I told you, Bible, we're going to get away from the pepperoni, we're going to get away from the preference of the Word. And we see it right here in Luke chapter 4. Are you there? Say amen. Look at verse 18. Very popular scripture, but let's look at a, a significant response. Luke 4, 18 says, the, this is Jesus talking. As, as you know, he came in, he took the scroll from Isaiah, and he began to speak. And he says in verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recover sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Verse 20. And he closed the book. He gave it again to the minister and he went and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day the scripture is being fulfilled in your ears. Look at verse 22. And all bear him witness and wondered at the, and excuse me, and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? Now I want you to understand, Jesus walks in the room, picks up a scroll, and he begins to proclaim that this is the Spirit of the Lord. He is upon me, and I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to heal the blind. I'm going to deliver the sick. I'm going to set the captives free. I'm going to do all these things. He sits down and says, look, today, this scripture is being fulfilled right in front of your eyes. And Luke, look at verse 22. Do you see that response? Oh, that was, that was awesome, Jesus. <laughs> that was great. Look at it. Look at 22. They looked at him 
with gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, ain't that Joseph's boy? Let me tell you something. They weren't moved by what he said. They were just moved how he said it. They thought, oh, Jesus, that was awesome. Great word. You are the son of God. Awesome. Ain't that Joseph's boy? They're looking at him like they took the supernatural and put their natural on it. They could not see the son of God. They saw the son of Joseph. The word was standing right before them, quoted out of their scroll, told them this day this is being fulfilled. And they thought he's just a man. So do you know what Jesus' response was? A lot of people read the scripture and they kind of stop right there. Jesus responds to them. And for the sake of time, I won't go over it, but Jesus says, you know what? It's funny. Uh, last time I looked, and this is me paraphrasing. He said, last time I looked, there was a prophet uh, in the Old Testament uh, and there was a woman, a widow, uh, during the famine of three and a half years who had no food. And God only sent the prophet to just that one woman in all the land. He says, as a matter of fact, if I go back even further, there was Elijah and there was another famine in the land where leprosy was all over the land. And Elisha only went to Naaman and only Naaman was healed. What was Jesus saying? It's because of your wicked mind, because of your rejection of the word of God. God might just send me the one and you might not be it. Let me tell you something. They got mad when he said that. And the Bible says that they took him, they grabbed him, and they took him to the top of the hill, and they was going to throw him off and kill him. But the Bible says Jesus turned around, and they, they obviously forgot what they was up there for, because Jesus turned around and went about his way. But his words cut so deep when he began to go against their preference. See, they, they didn't want to change. They wanted to stay the same. Jesus says, I'm coming to heal them. You know, everybody don't want to see everybody healed. Jesus says, I've come to set the blind free, the deaf will hear, the lame walk, and they're getting mad at him. They don't like that. You know the, you know the Bible and the verse where the, the, the man, Legion, the Bible says that he was in the tomb naked, bound with chains, and he often broke chains, filled with devils. Jesus comes on the scene. Jesus gets off the boat. Here comes the man, butt naked, running at him. And Jesus looks at him, and Jesus has a conversation. Who are you? We are legion. You know the story. The Bible says Jesus healed that man. And that man said, I'm so thankful that I'm healed. And he said, I'm coming with you, Jesus. Jesus says, no, you're not coming with me. I want you to go home to your wife and your kids, and I want you to show what God has done in your life. And the Bible says that he went home, he showed that he was healed, and the people was afraid. It's amazing to me. This man is sitting in his right mind, and people are fearful. They'd rather him be bound with chains off in a cave somewhere than in his right mind sitting next to him. That was their preference. Let me tell you something. The word of God is for our benefit, amen? It is for us. Don't be so quick to reject the word of God because it didn't come to you like you wanted it to or it didn't come to you who you wanted it to come through. Oh, that Torrance, he up there preaching again. I'd rather hear somebody else. I don't want to hear Torrance. That's okay. Preference. I may not be who you want to hear this from, but it's the word of the Lord. You may not like what I have to say about your preference, but it's Bible, amen? 
Have you ever heard the term projected preference? Hey, let me put you like this. Has anyone, have you felt like anyone has ever tried to project something upon you? There is a, there is a, there in the Bible, there is a feeling of projected preference. Oh, that Tobin. Tobin, I love Tobin. Praise God. Tobin, that guy can lead us into the presence of Lord like no one. You, like you just, the man of God is anointed to sing and lead. Praise God. I love you, Tobin. God bless you. You know, it's awesome that you're up here singing. You know, you know I just probably, you know, wish you wouldn't dance so much, you know. Uh, that's projected preference. You see how I built them up then tore them down? Oh, keep singing for the Lord. Just don't twirl. Just, you know, let God use you. Just stand still. Just. That's projected preference. That's what I mean when we come to the Bible. We look at the Bible and we like certain things, and then there's some things we don't like. Oh, we, we, have, we have projected, you know, let me tell you this. Uh, you got to be careful uh, even when I talk about the word of God, even the songs you listen to. Every Christian song is not for your benefit. I got so tired of listening to songs about my season. Uh, uh, about my struggle. Matter of fact, I preferred at one point to listen to the sweet low, sweet chariot. Preference. Thinking that is built, it's not building you up. You better listen to songs with word in it. That song ought to edify you, ought to build you up, ought to build up the name of the Lord. You have a preference sometimes to listen to songs that keep you where you are. It's what they call melancholy. You feel like it's sanctimonious to just walk around. God got me. God, I know you're doing a work in me. Preference. Make sure your songs are uplifting. Quit preferring songs that always deal with your season that you're going through. Sing a song with the Lord that sees you through. Amen? You may be going through hell, but don't stop. If you catch hell, don't hold it. Keep going. Get out of those seasonal songs. It's not helping you. I was one of them. I felt good feeling sad. <laughs> preference sanctuary comforts oh church was good today but i wish they cut the air down oh it's too loud oh they, they, he don't, he's not singing loud enough uh he prayed but he didn't pray long enough somebody took my seat i wish they turned the lights up i can't see none they need to turn the lights down i want to feel the presence preference you come in the sanctuary you come to meet with jesus not have it your way Somebody said, this ain't Burger King. Amen. You want to start at 11. Why we got to start at 10? I will come to church, but I can remember when I was a youth pastor in Louisville, and we were setting up the sanctuary, getting ready for church, and the lady came to the door, and I opened the door and said, hey, how you doing? You know, welcome to church. Glad that you're here. She goes, what time church start? I said, it starts at 10 o'clock. It was about 9.15 at that time. I said, it starts at 10 o'clock. You know, this, we're not open just yet, but if you come back in a little bit, you know, come on in and enjoy service. Ah, no, 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 y'all start too late. As a matter of fact, I got a dentist appointment in the morning I got to get to. I said, your dentist appointment's on Monday? Yeah, but today's Sunday. Well, I know, I know, but I got to go. Preference. Start too late. Start too early. 
Why the church got to do this? We have preferences and we do the word of God the same way. I don't want to sit in the blue seat. I want the green seat. Give me the gray seat. Can you scoot down one? I like to sit on the end. How many of y'all like them end rows? Come on, don't lie. I'm going to tell you something. I love the end row. Uh, man, I'm just telling on myself. I like to sit on the end, amen. But you got to get out of this preference mentality. Quit being like the pepperoni pizza. You just got a preference of not too little, not too much. Just give me what I want. Pastor, that was a good word. Bishop, you preached a house down. But you know, that 1245, 1 o'clock ain't for me. You know, you made me burn my roast. Preference. <laughs> Preached a good word, but he took too long. It's hot in here. It's cold in here. It's lukewarm in here. Can you turn the air up? You know, if we, if we took a poll from every person in this room, we would get something different from everybody. All I'm saying is let's do it God's way. Or let's let God have his way. I'm going to tell you something. If you're if you cold, if you cold in the sanctuary and you see Pastor Toby dancing, just join him. You'll warm up real quick. Praise God. Instead of being back there looking and staring and talking about him, why don't you join him? And dance like David. Amen? Amen. There's also the temptation of convenience. I'm going to park on the west side. It's closer to the door. No, I'm going to park over here so that way I ain't got to cross the street. Matter of fact, why don't we just let everybody that gets here park where they want to park? I had, you know, um, I had somebody told me one time that uh, uh, if the handicapped spot's not taken, they think it's okay to take it. You're trying to be convenient. I call it lazy. That is for somebody that needs it. You don't need it. You're just looking for convenience. I did. Let me let me park over there. Uh, first time visitors, first time guests. No, 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 no. That's for me today. We ignore the sign. Don't raise your hand. You see, first time guest parking. First time guest parking is lined up all. If you didn't know, first time guest gets their whole front row. Touch them, Lord. Touch them, Lord. That's the temptation of convenience. We do the word of God the same way. We don't want, like Pastor Chris was saying Sunday, we don't want the wilderness because the wilderness is inconvenient. Takes too long. God ain't speaking enough. It's too quiet. Do you know why the convenience store, the gas stations are so expensive? Because it's convenient. My daughters love to go by 7-Eleven. And they don't understand me, Pastor, when I say that convenience store is too high. They don't know what that means. What I'm saying is convenience will cost you more than you want to pay. At the end of the day, check your heart. It's not about convenience. It's about God. If God calls us to the sanctuary and tarries in praise and worship for two hours, so be it. Oh, I come from the word. No, no, no. Come for God. I know I, I have actually talked to people that will come to church after praise and worship. Yes, yes, yes. They will stand out there until the music stops. Right. Oh, here comes the word. I'm going in now. Something's wrong with your heart. 
It's not about convenience. Check yourself. Matter of fact, you come to this church, you think praise and worship done, Pastor Kevin Lobb get up here and sing 18 hymns. <laughs> you thought it was over, but the Spirit of God says, I got something for you. You take out that red back hymnal. Next thing you know, you in the presence of God. Didn't even know it. Amen. I'm finishing up. This all right? The next one. We got to treat the word of God like a supreme pizza. Supreme. <laughs> got it all. The word of God has it all. Y'all notice my girls ain't eat no supreme pizza. Uh, they think vegetables are not of God. <laughs> but the word of God for you and I must be like the supreme pizza. The word is supreme. The word is supreme. Live with everything. I got Bible. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. Very familiar scripture. Hebrews chapter 4. The word is supreme. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. This is the word of God. This is the word supreme. Let me tell you something. You and I got issues. We got issues. We need the word of God to help us with our issues. Got daddy issues, got mama issues, got money issues, got job issues, husband issues, wife issues, kid issues, mental issues. The word of God can help all of that. The supreme word of God can touch every ounce of your fiber, every ounce of your being and set you free. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm going to say it again. It doesn't matter what it is. God can help you. Go tweet that. The word can solve every one of my issues because it's supreme. It rules all. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word, it ain't going anywhere. Let me tell you something. You may pray. Let me, let me help y'all. You may pray and trying to hear from God and don't hear nothing. You still got his word. You steady looking for the rhema when God says all day long I've given you the logos. Don't be so caught up in hearing from God when you can hear from God. Pick up the word. He has something to say to you every single day of your life. It's supreme. It says the word of God is living. It is an organism. It's alive. The word of God is alive. See, you think you're reading the Bible, but the Bible really reading you. See, ever time ever, I'm about to get in the word. No, you ain't. The word about to get in you. You think you're about to get something out of the word, but you keep reading. The word is going to get something out of you. And you become more and more like the very thing that you read. It is a living organism it is powerful this is why they can't kill it because it's alive they cannot kill it because the word is alive 
like a two-edged sword. Two-edged sword simply means it has double duties, dual role. It talks about it. Pierces division between the soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, and your spirit. The word of God can separate how you feel, how you think, what you think from your spirit. The spirit man craves, desires the things of God. The flesh man hates the things of God. The word of God separates the two. It separates soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions from your spirit. Let me tell you something. God speaks to your spirit. I remember one time I was laying in bed years ago. Man, I was laying about 3 o'clock in the morning. And spirit of God spoke something to me, Joe. Dropped it right in my spirit. I said, oh, God, that was good. When I wake up, I'm going to write that down. When I got up the next morning, guess what? I couldn't remember a thing what he said. Because you know why? He didn't give it to memory. He gave it to spirit. See, when he gave him my spirit, I tried to remember. I just waited six hours. And when I woke up to try to remember what he put in my spirit, it wasn't there. Because he didn't put it here. He put it here. And I said, Lord, forgive me. And let me tell you something. I tried so hard to figure out what he said. I messed it up. I don't know what I wrote down, but it wasn't nowhere near what he said. That's how the word of God works. Then it goes on to say it separates joints and marrow. Slices. Begins to cut away things that we don't need in our life. Begins to remove some things that have attached itself to us. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a part you and I play. If you're in a toxic relationship, leave. If you got toxic people around you, separate yourself. Don't say, oh, Lord, touch him, Lord. But no, go. That's your part. Go. Because the word of God is separating you. What did it say? Be not unequally separate yourself that's what the word will do it'll show you relationships that you need to change it'll show you people in your life that need don't need don't need to be in your life it begin to separate the things the joints and the marrow then it says is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart now this is this is where it really gets personal to me uh, uh I, I don't know about you but i find the word of god sometimes to be very nosy and you know, you know how you read the Bible? It's like, Holy Ghost, don't you go there. Don't, 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 don't. You know, we love the word of God until it gets real. You know, God has a unique way of showing you, you. I could stand up here and I could present myself a certain way and I could articulate certain words and I could say this and say that. And you oh, a great time, but you don't know me. You don't know what God is dealing with behind the curtain. You know what? You don't know what God is talking to me about, helping me with, and the same goes for you. Don't go by what you see on the outside. There is something that God's word does. It discerns the thoughts. You know what that means? God perceives what we think. Oh, God, you know, you know what? If I, if, I, if, I, if I give to the poor, then, you know, I'll I, I be doing what you want me to do. I give to the poor. And so I, I put it on Facebook. Look, I gave to the poor. God knows what you're thinking. The word of God knows what you're thinking. It understands and discerns, it perceives what you and I think, thoughts. I'm going to tell you something. There is something about our thought life that God wants. I'm going to tell you something. Our thought life is vital to the Christian believer. God understands your thoughts. Your mind is a battleground. You know your mind, your brain is not your master. It's a servant. 
Your mind, your thoughts, your brains do not tell you what to do. It's not a master, it's a servant. Your mind should serve you, not tell you what to do. How many, how many of y'all said it this week? I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. How many of y'all, come on. Don't lie. You say, I'm going to tell them like a T.I. is. That's not biblical. And God knows the thoughts that you have. And he says, let the word of God help you. It also goes on to say, it also understands the intents of the heart. You know what that says? The Bible knows what decisions you've already made. And it's trying to help you not do what it is that you have made up your mind you're going to do. It's going to talk about me. I'm going to show them. Going to talk about my wife, my kids. I'm going to let them know. God knows. He knows your intentions. See, see I'm going to say this, and, we, and we're going to close. I'm going to say this. When we read the Bible, you and I are going to not always agree what's going on on these pages. Your flesh is designed to rebel against the word of God. The more you get into the word, the more the word gets into you. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what people say. The word of God inside of you and me helps us teaches us, talks to us. Pastor Gary talked about the Holy Spirit. Y'all stand to your feet. One of the greatest verses to me in the Bible about the Holy Ghost is when Jesus says that he will teach you, he will guide you, he will comfort you. He'll even bring things back to your remembrance. This is what the Word tells us. Jesus says, the word says, I will never leave you comfortless. As a matter of fact, I'm going to do one better. I'm going to go away. He says, let me show you what I'm talking about. I'm going to leave here, but I'm going to send you another one. And he will bear witness of me. The Holy Ghost himself bears witness of the word. Matter of fact, he goes on to say he won't even do what he wants to do. He will only do and say what the Father has said. This is how important the Word of God is. No matter what you and I think, what does the Word say? With our children, I encourage you with your children, if they ever find themselves in the situations where they need answers, pick up the Bible. See, we live in a day and age now, you know, I ain't got no problem if you're going to lay on somebody's couch. I don't got no problem if you have a counselor, somebody you want to talk to, a close friend, a family, and you may call and give you some advice. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm going to tell you something. They can't give you the news like God can give it to you. You may take medicine. I'm not have nothing against medicine, but medicine is medicine. It medicates. I want us, I want myself to get to a place. I want to move beyond medication. I want the healer. I want the man that can touch my body based on the word of God. I'll keep wearing my glasses. I'll keep in my hair. But I'm believing that I'm going to see. I'm believing I have 100% hearing. A woman asked me one time. She said, Torrance, I smoke. She says, I like smoking. Calms me down. She says, I'm a Christian. I love God. But I like cigarettes. She says, Torrance, when I go to hell, if I keep smoking, 
I said, no, but you get heaven before I do. Come on, laugh. It's okay. But my point was, don't leave before your time. God will heal you of that. God will take that desire. I, I even told her. I even told her. Y'all may look at me funny. I was, I was young in the faith, Pastor Gary, so that may be part of my issue. But I told her. I said, why are you puffing a cigarette? Just say, I do not like cigarettes anymore. That's what I told her. While you smoke, just denounce. Denounce the fact that you don't like cigarettes. Doesn't matter what it is in your life or my life. Even in the midst of I can denounce it and allow God to heal me. What did David say? God created me. Evidently, his heart wasn't clean. Evidently, there were some things in David's life that wasn't right. And he knew it. He recognized it. And he said, God created me. A clean heart and renew a right spirit. Take what this, take this filth, take this dirt, take everything about me. Clean me up, God. Everybody close your eyes. Father, I speak over every person in this room. That they take your word as supreme. They take your word for everything that it has to offer. They take your word for everything that you have for them in this life. God, we do thank you for salvation. Thank you for saving us. But God, we want the more. We want life and life more abundantly because you said it. You said you would give us life and give it in abundance. Now, Father, we lift our hands to you. And we say, Father, there are some areas in our life. If that's you, lift your hands. You, you may have some areas in your life. But let me tell you something. I'm not nosy. I don't have to know. Matter of fact, whether you and I raise our hands or not, God still knows. This is just a sign of surrenderance. This is just an indication that, God, I'm giving this thing to you. I'm lifting my hands as a sign of vulnerability. And I'm saying, God, I need help. God, I need your word to help me. God, I need your word to set me free of some thinking and some mindsets that I have. Some ideas and some things, some habits in my life that I know are not pleasing in your sight. God, I lift my hands to you. And Father God, I say, I thank you for the salvation. I thank you for the word. Your word says, whom the Son says free is free indeed. I want you to take a minute and talk to God. Give that burden, give that care, because his word says, cast your cares on me because I care about you. His word says he will perfect that which concerns you. Why are you carrying that load? Why are you carrying that burden? God says, give it to me. Come on, saints, that is a strange exchange. He takes the burden. He takes the weight. He takes the care. He takes the concern, and he gives you peace. He gives you joy. He gives you life everlasting. Give it to him and take his joy. Give him that burden. Take his peace. Give him that issue. Give him, give him that person 
that you've been praying about. Give them that person. Let me tell you something. Your prayer list, or excuse me, your worry list is your prayer list. The very thing that you're worrying about is what God wants. Give him your worry list. Your worry list is your prayer list. Give it to him. You've been carrying something for years. I just hear that into my spirit. There's somebody that has been carrying a burden for years. God says, I want it. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, take my yoke upon you. It's easy. It's light. What he's saying is I'll walk with you through this thing. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you. Give it to him. Father, thank you. We thank you that we can cast our cares to you because you care about us. You love us. You're not out to get us. You're out to get to us. So, Father, I thank you that we give it to you tonight and we walk out of this place free. Amen. We walk, I said, out of this place free in the name of Jesus. Come on, you can do better than that. Say, I'm free in the name of Jesus. Come on, testify. Look to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm free in the name of Jesus. Because the word says so. Amen. Amen. Love on your neighbor and say, look, take the word supreme. Take the supreme word with you. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you guys on Sunday, 10 o'clock. Amen. Tell your body, your mind, 10 o'clock. You may prefer later, but we are not a people of preference. Amen. We're the people of God. Amen. Y'all be blessed. Amen.